1: to detroit pod cast is on the air wired and inspired thanks to and i'm not trying to drive anyone off in the first two minutes but i am inspired by andy ruiz jr one of the new heavyweight champions of the world who was taken instagram pictures back in 2012 and looks like my plumber fantastic man an inspiration for the detroit lions and for everyone else everywhere, as we entered into the Pride of Detroit PODcast, Pride of Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know who we are. You know where to find us. No longer on iTunes. iTunes is shutting down. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And I am Chris Perfett. You are adequate host at Chris Perfette, Perfett, P E R F E T T. Sounds it looks like perfect, but it's not because I'm not perfect either. I am adequate. Joining me as always, Jeremy Reisman, the Fearless Leader at Detroit On Lion, zooming in now from Detroit. How you doing, Jeremy?
2: I'm doing good. I'm not quite as inspired by Butterbean's son, but uh, you know, it's, it's
1: Why a not? Cool
3: story.
2: I don't know. Boxing. You should
1: see you should see the boxing lions in him. This is like one of the longest odds a boxer has had to win. Sure.
4: And
1: that that pulled boxing, off. Now. Boxing, the, Boxing's here, man. Joe oh. Louis, sta- Joe Louis statue. Everyone goes to it. Everyone looks at the punch. Is that Joe Louis statue. statue.
4: What? Oh,
2: I thought you meant the one inside Joe Louis Arena. That no, 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 no. Joe Louis. I know. I got you. Yeah. I got you now. Yeah yeah.
1: Hey, you, yeah, yeah. Get your hockey mind out of here. You're gonna whine about me talking about boxing, and then I'm not whining. I'm just saying I don't like boxing. York Chill out. <laughs> Ryan Matthews. It's the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. I know he's inspired by the fit goals of Andy Ruiz Jr.
4: I'm, I'm massively inspired by what Andy Ruiz Jr. did last night for a few reasons. One, there will be no fat boy shaming this summer. We're going to ride this wave for at least <laughs> a few months, okay? And it's going to carry us through, through the dog days of August. But one of my favorite tweets from last night was from Conor McGregor where he, he said, I know firsthand the toughness of the Mexican chin. <laughs> they come up off the floor like something out of Thriller. It is never over until it's over with the Mexicans. God bless them. Congrats, Andy Ruiz. And wow. uh, I really liked Shay Serrano getting on Twitter and, and saying, <laughs> from now on, I am to be referred to as the Mexican Chin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I also like that if you go back and Anthony, Joshua, and again, way too much boxing in here. We've got Lions topics coming up hot and fast, but this is how we do the intro. Uh, Anthony Joshua, the man who lost to the Mexican gin now, uh, from March 21st, about to break the curse, hashtag June 1st, and he's there with Drake.
4: Mm.
1: How'd that Not, turn out?
4: I don't know. How'd that turn out? Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We us ask the
1: Raptors thing. here in a few days.
4: In a few days. It might be three weeks. <laughs>
1: God, God, they're making the, they're really bringing out this NBA Finals, man.
4: Just like we really, brought around this intro to start talking about Calvin I know. Johnson. <laughs> yeah, we
1: have to talk about Calvin Johnson. He's back in the news. Football, there's still no football out there. Wayback Machine is on, is on, armed, primed, and ready to go back to week three of the NFL season 2018 to talk about the Detroit Lions. And we've got a mailbag, as always, and other fun things round the corner for you. But we start with Calvin Johnson. We seem to keep coming back to the old Calvin Johnson place. Time is a flat circle. As, you know, a few weeks ago, I talked about maybe wanting this topic on the show because I know Rod Wood at Taste of the Lions had said he wants Calvin Johnson back as a prior, as a uh, ambassador for the team. And I think we agreed back then it wasn't really much of a story. There wasn't really anything happening. Well, things started happening. In that Calvin Johnson has basically laid the cards on the table that, yes, after all this time, after, do- after tastefully dodging the question many, many times, or whatever, or maybe being passive aggressive, who knows, that it is about the money, it is about the signing, it is about the uh, signing bonus that he had, that the Lions made him return money on back in 2016 and this is where we at this is where we are as johnson says s- told the free press on saturday the only way they're going to get me back get me back is if they put that money back in my pocket Nah, you don't do that i don't care what they say they can put it back then they can have me back that's the bottom line
2: yep i mean again it, this doesn't really feel that much like news because i feel like this was kind of the assumed Thing all all along, but I, I I guess I somewhat appreciate Johnson just laying it out there now. Like, hey, give me my one million plus back. I'm 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 all yours. I'll do yeah, whatever I you mean, guys that, want. That's I'm good. back inside the franchise. Yeah, I I wonder if that's actually true a little bit, considering <laughs> how kind of snarky that s- statement sounds a little bit. And he has every right to be snarky. I mean, we've talked about this on the show years ago. Um, I think where we all stand on on the Lions. Bungling this situation and continuing to bungle it, uh, but yeah, now now everything's out there, everything's out in the open. It's very clear what this is all about. It's very clear what the Lions need to do to fix it. What's not clear is whether Rodwood is going to do it. And there are a lot of things about this situation that are getting misunderstood or misrepresented. It part of it is the the amount that he returned because I think original report said three hundred twenty thousand dollars. And it is actually almost triple that or more than triple that part of it is these lions fans that are just jumping through mental hoops. Saying that Calvin Johnson was never worth that much. He was always, you know, he wasn't ever that good. He'd never really cared about the game. That's why he retired early, all that sort of crap. And then the thing that I think people need to realize why Calvin Johnson is so miffed about this whole situation. You got to remember back in 2016, Rod Wood and Bob Quinn were newbies. They were guys new in the organization, barely knew Calvin Johnson, barely knew anything about running an NFL team. I mean, Rod Wood came from outside of the NFL, period. No, no football experience. And one of their first tasks was to address this, and they decided to go after the money. That's not a great first impression for a guy like Rod Wood or Bob Quinn. They need to fix this. They need to return the million dollars, admit that, hey, we were young. We were dumb. We didn't know what we were doing. We made a mistake. You are a franchise cornerstone of this team's entire doggone history. Here's a million dollars. We have plenty of cap space right now. It's fine. Come be friends with us again. We're sorry. That's all you need to do. And we're, we don't need to write about this anymore. We don't need to rehash this argument anymore. We don't need to yell at each other on Twitter anymore and call each other bad fans and any of that crap. Just give them a million dollars. It's fine. No one's getting hurt. I don't care. This doesn't set a precedent uh, for for Lions in the future that hey, you know, we're not going to go after your your signing bonus. No, we're not going to go after your signing bonus if you're a future Hall of Famer. That's a nice precedent to send. That's fine. No one cares about that. I mean, we're like not- it's I'm
1: from what I've been hearing stories about in the league too. To your point, like this seems to be it's it's not about a precedent. It's more a precedent the Lions actually demanded that money back and and like to the point where they went out and got that money back. There's been other teams that have, you know, just let a lot of these signing bonuses go, including the Patriots. Like they just, it's just out there. And as you say too, they're not doing anything with that money right now. If they were doing something with it, if they were like up against the cap or something, that'd be different. But they're not. So, Ryan, uh, your thoughts.
4: To quote the eternal Teddy KGB, Pay him. Pay that man his money. (laughs) Here's the deal with the Calvin Johnson thing is that I'm glad Calvin, you know, finally kind of put everything to rest and just said everything that everybody already kind of assumed as Jeremy alluded to. You know, when Rod Wood said that he wants to have him back and then Calvin Johnson just says flat out, it's going to take you putting that money back in my pocket and there's no other way that I'm going to come back. And it's a good thing that, players that aren't on the team's roster don't count towards their salary cap. So just hire him as an ambassador, pay him the amount that you owe back to him from his signing bonus. And just let's let bygones be bygones. And let's not have this whole situation drag out in the way that the Barry Sanders drama took what almost like a decade to get over. At least, at least a at decade. least. Yeah. And, I fear,
1: that, oh, yeah, sorry, go on, Jeremy.
4: Well, yeah, I just wanted to do
2: some some clarifications about what the Lions could actually do. And I, I don't know this for sure. I'm, I'm, I've tried to reach out to some people in the NFL to to get clarification on exactly how the Lions could repay them as $1 million. Because I, I don't think Calvin Johnson wants, okay, uh, you want me back? Make me amb- an ambassador for a million a year. I don't think that's what he wants. I think he literally wants them to put a million in their pocket. Then they'll start talking about what what will do for the team. And uh, I reached out to Brian Phillips, who are our, who's our buddy from Pat's pulpit. And he thinks um, it would come out of the Lions' cap, literally, as part of like the grievance grievances. Like there's a there's a category that goes against your cap of grievances, and that's probably where it would come from.
4: I don't think that they would want to do that, though. Right? Like they wouldn't ha- they wouldn't want this situation to affect the team currently. So why of, not? of course they wouldn't. Yeah, but. I mean, I I think from some things that I read, it just said that like they could hire him as an ambassador. And I know that's not what, that's probably not what Calvin Johnson wants to do. He doesn't view it as I have to take on a new role in order to get the money that's owed to me from my previous position with the team. But it can be something where it's like, yes, you're the team ambassador, but you're not functionally doing anything. We just need to have you down on payroll as such, where it's kind of like a, a, It's really just like an outward facing job.
2: I, I, yeah, I'd be interested to see if, if Kelvin would, would accept something like that because I don't know. I don't, I don't think he would. I think he would view that as an extra job where he's like, no, I'm not selling myself to you for a million dollars. You're giving me a million dollars. Then we talk. Yeah. Um,
1: I see the million dollars as more like this is what it's going to take to normalize relations before we can start. This is, this is the 4X strategy game here. This is Civilization Five. That million dollars needs to be paid up before you can start talking about a trade, a, a trade treaty, or something, or right. the non-aggression pact. Like that's this is this is a, this is a prerequisite you have to meet. I, I I'm I'm wondering myself though, just to kind of go a bit against the grain a bit, and like I, I want to believe him when he says it's the money straight up, but I feel like if it was just a matter of the money then that's easy enough. The fact that this is kind of sat here now for what is this year 3? Um yeah. no no yeah, year 3 where he hasn't had that money, that that festers over time and that does create negative negative attitudes towards an organization that you feel has wronged you. Yeah. And th- at that point too, it's a question of whether things like, you know, the the you know, the idea of on play field, on, on field play being bad or having other bad interactions with the team in the past, maybe don't bug him originally, but then become amplified. So that's, that's really, I mean, back when this all came out, I was, a, I was, you know, I think we all were agreement about this, like pay him his money right up. And I'm not sure, sh- <laughs> but at this point, like I, th- I feel like both sides have kind of let this fester and both sides are just c- going to be acting from it on a on a position where i, I don't even know if ambassador is even the right thing you want to do i feel like when rod wood's out there saying yes we need to make calvin johnson an ambassador there's an expectation for it but you could have also just let the sleeping dog lie you know like you could have just let this lie it would have probably festered you i mean and calvin johnson Stays estranged from the team, but he seems pretty busy down in Georgia as well. I'm just not sure. What, was this all worth it? Was it all worth it to get Calvin Johnson back? Was it really, at this point, that big of an issue to dredge this up, which Rod Wood did at Taste the Lions, and open yourself up to the predictable answer from Calvin Johnson, which is uh, to, to sing along with another song here, to get another reference in, Ryan. Bitch better have my money.
2: Well, th- there's a couple of things going on here. One is, is that like, well, what is Rod Wood just going to like not answer a question about Calvin Johnson and be like, no, nah, well, we're not I, interested I think, in bringing uh, him back.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a tough that one. Play? I would have, I would have probably said Calvin Johnson is his own person right now.
2: Well, well, here's the other thing. And, and Rod Wood mentioned it in that interview is that he wants to be in Calvin Go- Johnson's good graces by the time he's inducted to the hall of fame, which is going to be in two years. Yeah, but you don't go into Hall of Fame wearing someone's
1: jersey or a hat or something like Cooperstown. No, of course not.
2: But the team wants to be able to throw a celebration for him. And and they should, right? Maybe retire his number, do any of that stuff. I mean,
1: you can can do that with him still being a little estranged. I mean, at least the time. A little estranged? (laughs) I don't know, man. I mean, It it, it, it feels like, again, it takes two to tango here. Sure. And I feel like three, like, For what happened to end Calvin Johnson's uh, time here, how suddenly he walked away and what a disagreement it is, it almost feels like I don't think you're solving it with this presidency. And if you are, then you're probably waiting a a few more years down the road being like, hey, like, you know, you pay him the money quietly, then walk away and then come back in a few years, be like, hey, you know, man, we're sorry about all that, but, you know, let's try to make good now. And
2: yeah. And talk about the ambassadorship or something, no.
1: or, or don't even do the ambassador thing. Just let him
2: let him be. I I agree with you on that point because we we also have to remember as as much as Calvin is saying it's about the money and it's only about the money, we have to remember that he's also went on record complaining about a lot of other things. That, that no, and that's, might not just be lying. Yeah, that's specific. my point. Um, yeah, that's my point. Like that yeah. stuff will
1: fester over time because of the right. money
2: issue. Yeah, and it amplifies it. He's talked. He's talked about painkillers. Yeah, you know, one bad
1: experience. About, Amplifies everything else.
2: Talked about being, you know, stuck in Detroit. He obviously he said out loud didn't think the Lions were going to be in a position to win to a playoff game as long as he was there. Um yeah. Those things were definitely festering up and, and maybe they've reached a boiling point. And maybe you know, maybe it is too late for the Lions to give him his million dollars. But I do think the the way the plan that you just laid out, give his million dollars behind the scenes, hush-hush, don't don't make a big deal about it approach him in, in a year or two and be like hey what can we do we, we'd love to for you to show up at some events maybe show up at a taste of the alliance event because i mean who wouldn't want to see him at a taste of a taste of yeah, maybe, event i mean but it's also i mean even getting or maybe
1: not you might you might just have to give up the idea that he can be an ambassador like barry sanders altogether like you might just have to take the l on that one maybe he's maybe. just not interested maybe you have to wait for him at
2: that point to want to reopen negotiations with you but he is he is very committed to the city of Detroit. I mean, the reason he keeps getting asked these questions every year is because he has a football camp in Detroit. And this year, he had a bunch of guys from the Lions team at his event. So he's still connected to the team in, in some you know sort of emotional way. And whether it's some of those guys being his teammates, whether it's him caring about the organization or the city, there is some sort of tie there. There is something that seems to be at least a little bit salvageable. For him to, like, just... Be at the, the homecoming game every year where there's a bunch of guys. The guy doesn't have to be an ambassador. He doesn't have to live at Ford Field. He doesn't have to be at every single corporate event. But just show up to the, to the history stuff, the stuff where we're trying to honor this, t- this franchise's history that has been so goddamn horrible for 70 years that one of the like three good things in, since the 1950s, it would be nice to see one of those guys show up.
1: Yeah, like the Lions just kind of need to break this streak and cycle. Like, I I understand why the Lions are desperate for this, because for them, it feels like we need to break this cycle of us screwing over our stars and they going away for a long time before any fences are mended. I just think right now the Lions are a little too desperate, and Calvin Johnson is probably feeling hella petty. And I, I would be surprised, actually, on my conspiracy mind here, if Calvin Johnson, the whole reason he let, like, Lions guys come to his camp is more that, it eventually boils over to that. That's my, that was what I would do if I was super petty. I don't think Calvin Johnson's super petty, but it's like this whole episode, it requires two very passive-aggressive people to tango here. And I think both of them are acting hyper-passive-aggressive. Ryan, any final thoughts on this before we uh, move on?
4: Pay that man his money.
1: Hard line on it. I, I like it. Jeremy, final thoughts.
4: I,
2: I mean, I'm I'm not as big a fan of rounders. So if there were another way to say, pay that man his <laughs> money, pay that man his money.
4: How can mm. you not be a big fan of rounders?
2: Because it promotes gambling habits, and I feel like people oh, maybe in this room has picked oh, up on that. Oh, oh, who are you talking about? I don't want to say his name. He may appear, or do I have to say it three times?
4: It's not Beetlejuice. Listen, I,
1: I, I think I think Starts to boost the our podcast numbers, we are going to have to embrace gambling talk uh, throughout the season. So I mean, we'll just have to invite on our
2: get our other guests. So, all right, here's here's my gambling tip for all of 2019. Don't bet don't on the lions. It. How well is, how well is it treated <laughs> you in the past? Be the lions just every don't time. Do Although, just don't do it. I would bet the over at six and a half wins in 2019. <laughs> uh, don't stop it. <laughs>
1: That hook will kill you. Um, no, but we've got to, we've, we'll have we'll got we we'll pick that up in the mailbag. I see the mailbag's pretty light, so maybe we'll add some of our own questions this time around. But I want to get on to the Wayback Machine because we're at 20 minutes here. So when we come back, we're going to take a quick break, freshen up, uh, get, get, get our time travel gear on, get all of our steampunk outfits out of the closet to go back to Victorian age. 2018 in a rarity, in in a shocker, in probably the first shocker of 2018. Shocker in a good way, I should say, from 2018. uh, the Lions are playing the Patriots. What could possibly go right here? Well, maybe some fool's gold. We will tell you when we come back on the Pride of Detroit DOD test.
3: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: All right, Pride of Detroit, PODcast. Uh, Lifting up the curtain behind so you can peek and see the machinery going on after this. Once again, we are recording these on Sundays and Sundays is basically when I get off uh two over two back-to-back overnight shifts. And my brain is strung out on various, various different substances. Everything tame from melatonin to whatever else I have to put in my body to keep myself awake going through that. So the 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 Wayback Machine sounds have started to deteriorate. We're not sure like if this machine can really keep running. And if I set the dial here for September 23rd, 2018. I'm not sure we will hit that or maybe like the Battle of Hastings or something.
2: Got to give it a shot, though.
1: Yeah, we got to give this. We got to pull the crank. We've got to sit down, put our goggles on. And here we go. (sighs) September 23rd,
4: 2018.
1: And this is... Is it Sunday night football or is this Monday night? It's Sunday night. Sunday. Do, Wait, do it, it's Ryan.
4: Sorry. Wait, it's what? Ryan. Uh, I, I can't do it right now. I don't have the oh, voice. No.
0: Oh, Sunday night! Thank you, Jeremy.
4: An See adequate replacement.
1: That is not adequate. That was awful. <laughs> that was That was... I can't even use ironic adequate on that. I remember where I was watching this game very clearly because... I was still going to USC at the time and I was taking a class with Rob Parker and Rob Parker being the man that he is decided to take the lions in defiance of nearly everyone else at Fox sports. And, uh, long story short, I guess short, long story short, I can speak Got invited out to a bar in, uh, in Pico union along with some of my other friends in the class who were all rooting for the Patriots, including a few Boston people. And the entire bar was rooting for the Patriots. And I am only one of two people rooting for the Lions in there. The other one is Rob Parker because he wants to assuage his ego and win some wing bets. And uh, yeah, interesting night as we see this unfold in a game I don't think any of us saw coming at the time. Uh, And I think when we get into questions about the bigger picture of this game, we are going to discover some fascinating things. But just for the moment... Detroit Lions 26, New England Patriots 10. As the Apprentice defeats the master, seemingly in a bizarre game all around that I think sent ripples throughout the entire NFL ecosystem. And nobody was quite sure what to do because the Patriots at that time, this is only the third game in the season, sure, sure. But the Patriots at that time were, I think they had started one and one. And they had lost to uh, who was who was their loss before the Lions? They they had lost to uh, oh that's right Jacksonville coming in. And I mean back then Jacksonville, I think people were still taking pretty seriously, but I think Patriots were the the key winner there. And this game sent some tumbles into the Patriots land. But I think the impact on the Lions at this game was even more profound.
2: For sure, I mean, just I, I I'm trying to put myself in my head. Sit- where my head was at back then because well
1: while you're doing that can you move a little closer to the mic yeah I can I can get real close there
2: we go uh Not that close but you, I mean it's a whirlwind because we were looking at the schedule before the year and we're like okay we got the Jets we got 49ers they could theoretically start the year two-no, but there's no way they're gonna beat the Patriots at home I mean it's a great team this is the line team that's coming off of whatever and, and we get the complete inverse of what we're expecting Carry-on Johnson finally breaks the 100-yard mark um, that that Lions fans had had the monkey on their back for so long. And the Lions didn't just beat the Patriots. They they dominated the game. And I think a lot of us go back to that Dolphins game as the first sign of, of what this team wants to be. But really, it was this game because we hear the Lions talk about it all the time. They want to establish the run. They want to be able to control the clock, control the game, control the tempo, That was clearly the game plan in this game, and it worked. They kept Tom Brady off the field for almost the entire first half. I think they ran six total offensive plays in the first quarter. In the first half, here, off the the number of plays by each team in the first half. The Lions had, let's see, 38. Patriots had 19, half of that. That's what the Lions want to do, especially with the quarterback like Tom Brady. They want to be able to control the game. And, and it started with running the ball and stopping the run. And that's what this team wants to be. And this is how the dividends can pay off when everything is, is moving in the right direction.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, I, th- I think you would look at this game and you would call it kind of the blueprint for, like you said, Jeremy, what the Lions want to do moving forward in terms of stopping the run, but also establishing the run. And, and using it as a means to keep. And I think that this is one of the most important parts is that you see, how many times do you see elite defenses really shut down opposing quarterbacks that are like you would define as elite? You know what I mean? Right. So I think the best, the best defense for an elite quarterback that's on the other sideline is to have an offense that can control the ball. Yep. If you can keep – if you can keep player X off the field, if you can keep great quarterback X off the field by keeping your offense on it, I think you're going to end up winning a lot of games like the Lions won on this Sunday night. And it's a, it's interesting though, right, too? Because, I mean, what comes of this game later on, if we can real quick jump back in the time machine and move all the way forward to the Super Bowl, was the talk surrounding... Um, you know, especially after the game, the the Lions giving, you know, the Patriots the blueprint for how to beat the Rams. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that the Rams are probably looking at this game, too, and thinking, hmm, like, this is one of the games where, like, New England was, like, thoroughly handled in, in the regular season. Like, I, I think one of the big things that came out of this game was that the Lions just absolutely beat the Patriots. Like, mm-hmm. no question.
1: I'm just trying to figure out what the cypher is because this game, no matter how much I look at it and then look at the rest of the season and look at not only just performance, but also execution across the rest of the season. Like this, this game just continues to feel like fool's gold. And I'm wondering if it's just that the lions, for whatever reason in this game were so much more focused than they were in other games or that the Patriots were just having a bad game or a combination of both. Because I, it's it's so weird now that we have the whole the whole season in front of us to look back on. This game still feels like an aberration against what is the norm here.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I think for the most part, though, the truth always lies somewhere in the middle. Right. But right when you mentioned that the Lions maybe they were more focused for this game, I don't think that they were more focused necessarily just because it was the Patriots they were looking at potentially starting the season 0-3. Here's the free free press's headline from the the outcome of that game. Detroit Lions upset New England Patriots. Prove their season isn't dead.
1: I think (laughs) you see it with a lot of 0-2 teams, though. Yeah, that kind of focus. I'm not saying it's because the Patriots or because Mm -hmm. Patricia wants to beat Bill Belichick. Maybe that's part of it. Who knows? Or it's just, again, the the result of being down 0-2 and playing... And playing uh, in You're your home building in prime yeah. time, yeah, like
2: just just the baser instincts to drive takes over. And and there were some mitigating factors that were working in the Lions' favor too. I mean, Julian Edelman was still serving his uh, suspension. Right. Um, if you remember this game, Tom Brady had all day. Every time he dropped back, Lions only got two sacks on the day, and both those were coverage sacks from, from my memory. And so. If you think back to last week we were talking about just how awful the Lions secondary was against the 49ers. They were the exact opposite in this game and it was interesting because they used Deshaun Shedd a lot to kind of take away Rob Gronkowski and and the line and the, the Patriots just didn't have another answer. Chris Hogan right, we, not a good not a good wide receiver. Cordero Patterson more of a special teams guy than a receiver. So the, the Lions did have kind of a favorable matchup in the secondary and I think that kind of paid dividends on, on defense at least.
1: Yeah, there's that. And I mean, as we saw from the Jaguars game, too, like, as you say, I think this for the New England, it took them a long time for them to get in sync with Tom Brady for the offenses here, because their offense was not really that we I remember talking with Brian Phillips at the time, like their offense on the exterior was not good. Mm-hmm. Like Gronk is your receiving leader. But then after him, you've got, you know, Chris Hogan and you have to go down and find James White and Cordell Patterson barely getting any receptions in this game barely part of the game plan like New England couldn't trust its own its own receiving options at the time they didn't know what they were doing and they came right into being very very much so out out planned and without really utilizing what they knew just then of course they'd figure that out eventually and start going on their usual tear but at this point in the season, they're, they're working slow and achy, and it got, it got people talking. I know at the time, people were like, wow, what's wrong with the Patriots? Is it the end for them? And guess what? They went another goddamn Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, I don't know why we always seem to get fooled by the Patriots in, in September, because this happens a lot with them. This you happens know,
1: every year, man. The,
2: <laughs> the year before them, they got spanked by the Chiefs and came back and, and were fine. Um, but yeah, I, and, and it goes to what, what Matt Patricia said last year. Like You really don't know who your team is until October, maybe November. So the key is kind of keeping your head afloat before then in the first two months of the season. And, and as long as you're still in a position to compete by the time Halloween rolls around, you're good. Uh, and the Lions were actually in that position. We're not going to get that far ahead yet, but um, in a way, yeah, th- this did kind of represent that, that saving the season at the time. Because the Lions needed to keep their head above water and going 0-3 and then heading to Dallas the next week is not a good recipe for anything. And at this point, we didn't really know how the NFC North was shaking out. Uh, I think everyone was kind of middling around one and two, two and one at this point. So Lions are certainly in the swing of things. Uh this this was a, a transformative game that that did give me a little bit of hope for the season. I'm not gonna lie. I I thought this was such a such a dominant performance where it's like okay, I get the plan. I I get what this team is maybe doing. I don't know if they can continue to do it consistently, but they just did it on on the biggest stage you can get for the Lions during the regular season, essentially. Dealing with my cat here.
1: Uh, You say it was transformative for you at the time, but I guess, again, the big question is, and the whole point of the time machine as I look at it is, was it really that transformative, though, now that we see all 17 weeks? I, no, I guess it wasn't. I mean, I, I it, like that's again, it. Like, I mean, we, we do those podcasts each week, like, and we have to make reactions instantly on the game. Right. And I put this together mostly just being like trying to take the longer end picture. I'm not trying to crush the hope, but right. I, well, I just don't see many games like that New England game happening again for the Lions because it certainly didn't happen again in 2018 without like more of that blueprint really being implemented.
2: Yeah. It really only happened one more time. And that was against Miami Dolphins
4: game. Yeah. And and, I I mean, that,
2: that is the blueprint of what this team wants to do. And this is the kind of, this is the kind of performance that they want to be able to do. The question is how do they get it to become a more consistent result this way? And, and I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm not sure what exactly went wrong in all the other weeks. And maybe when we revisit all of these other games, we find out what was wrong. Um, Part of it to me, is probably the secondary needed to be a little better last year when it wasn't. Um, if they went up against a bad team like this, bad offense, because the Patriots' offense was bad at this point. We, 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 we can we can admit that. We can say that the Patriots were bad at one point in the off season. That doesn't make us bad analysts. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, the Lions obviously did a lot of changing to their secondary this year, and and maybe they'll be able to get performances like this, and maybe they'll be able to get a little bit of better pass rush too, because pass rush was awful in this game.
4: They didn't have tight ends. They also
2: didn't have tight ends. <laughs> So they yeah, went out and no got tie-downs. a couple of those. Can, can I make one more note about like the actual part of this game that, that I found interesting when I was rewatching it? Sure. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the very end of this game, but you know, as as the fourth quarter is going on, I'm you know I'm doing my math here. The lines are up for thirteen the majority of it. So I'm you know my negative self during the game is just like, okay, so the lines are going to lose by one. Don't count out touchdown, Tom. Two touchdowns, they win by one. Game over. We're all sad. Uh, well the very end of this game, the lines are up 16. You know, they, they can't punch it in. They, they settle for another field goal. Still yeah. Te- 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 still technically a two possession game. Patriots have the ball less than two minutes, zero timeouts. Do you remember what their first three play calls were? Weren't they run plays? They just they were on the ball. Yes. Three draw plays. Yeah. They went for about 15 each, but three draw plays, one pass down the middle. That's it. End of series. What was that? <laughs> Because, like, I don't know, there there were conspiracy theorists after the game, and watching it again, I'm just like, okay, I know that's not the case, but I understand why people were thinking that. Like, did Bill Belichick lay, lay down for Matt Patricia, his buddy? Because that's such a bizarre thing to do. I mean, all you need to do is connect on a big play. I know that that's, I make it sound easier than it does. Get an onside kick, and then, hey, a Hail Mary and a two-point conversion away from tying the game. Like, there was no urgency there. Yeah. It, it was just bizarre to see a guy like Bill Palachuk feeling like, eh, fuck it, we'll get him next time.
4: It really, I mean, it really is kind of like uh, the basketball equivalent of having the ball with less than 24 seconds and being down five or being down six. Like, you're down two possessions, but you're just going to sit on the ball because, I don't know, you're ready to just tuck it in for the next game. I don't know. I With football, maybe... Maybe it's a little bit different just because you need you need four scores, right? Yeah, and I think at that point, New England's—I mean—they're waiting on Edelman to come back. Uh, I think their receiving corpse was pretty banged up. So I mean, in order to make that happen, do you run the risk of an injury or something, or do you just say, "Hey, you know what? We got beat tonight. We're just gonna tuck it in, and we'll move on to next week." There,
2: there's there's a competing theories battling in my head. One is that there's no chance in hell. Bill Belichick would ever admit defeat even with two minutes left and a, a 16 point deficit. But then there's also part of me that's like the very spiteful Bill Belichick that's like, yeah, who cares if we're wanting 2 we're, we're obviously going to at least win 11 games this season. So who cares if we lose to the Lions? Just give my, my, my buddy, Matt, Pat a little pat on the back with a win there.
4: Big, big, big picture in mind. Patriots still won the Super Bowl, so did it really matter what happened in Week Three of the NFL season?
2: <laughs> it usually doesn't. Did, any, did.
4: did we even mention on Johnson running for 100 yards, which broke the we 70 did. game drought? We did. I we mentioned, I mentioned
2: it in passing, but yeah, it probably deserves a little more attention because I, it also resulted in that amazing GIF on the sidelines.
4: Yeah, I. I mean, probably one of the most like dubious records to have, right? Yeah.
2: It's funny. Do you remember the the play that got him the 101 yards that, that made him eclipse the 100-yard mark?
4: I don't. I listen to the majority of this game on the radio, which was brutal.
2: It was. Hold on to your hats here. It was a third and 16 draw.
4: Oh my goodness! God damn it!
2: Ten yard run. Third and 18.
1: God Ten yard it. run.
2: Taking us back
1: to the to modernity and away from this barbarism. Do 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 do. Bam. Close the lid on that. That was your bit of joy, Detroit land, Lions land. Enjoy it while you can. (laughs) Enjoy it while you can, because things are getting bleak again real soon on the next episode of Wayback Machine. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. One, because I don't know if my cat whining for more food is coming in over the mic and I want to silence him. And then we have to get to your mailbag questions and some more questions I think that we want to ask ourselves. 'Cause we, we always do this mailbag, we never get to challenge each other. And I feel you know what? Feels like a lost opportunity. But we'll do all of that next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD as always to get your questions in. It's a bit of a light one today, probably because it's a, it's an off weekend here. And uh, yeah, but that's, that's fine. We had a lot. We had a lot last time. So I feel like a lighter one is needed. We're going to take only a few questions and really go in depth because there's some really good Lions topics to cover here. Uh, before we do that, this is more a question to each other. And I know on Ryan and Jeremy's mind, is Frank Ragnow. so uh, my question to them is what do you think about Ragnow has officially been moved to center
2: well officially is, is probably too strong of a word at this point since no I declaration guess. has been made but the fact that we're two Put weeks into haft. the fact that we're two weeks into OTAs and and the guy is basically taking every snap that I've seen that we've seen in photos or, or highlights just about every snap he's taken is that center um, and given lines pass when they do something like that they stick with it so it's uh it's an interesting move it's one that not really a lot of people talked about as a possibility and so i think it caught a lot of people by uh caught a lot of people off guard and off guard huh
1: huh huh no guard? no off guard don't make Brian, me do my own work off guard. i'm not gonna i'm i will go get that price is wrong horn for
2: you i can just do it uh,
4: I don't know. Ragnar Ragnow going to center. Is that just is that revealing on how the team thinks about Graham Glasgow? Or is that more of a vote of confidence for Ragnow? Do was was the long game to have him be center, but they wanted him to spend a season getting acclimated to life in the NFL? Because I can imagine, I mean, every position in the NFL is difficult to play, but I feel like center is a particularly different, like difficult position for a rookie to play just because it's more than just your assignments when, you know, you snap the ball. there's You're calling out other things for the rest of the line to identify too. So did they think that it was just too much for Ragnar at once and they wanted to bring him along slowly and he's better suited to play here or what?
2: You bring up a lot of good questions and I don't think we have the answer to all those, but Regarding, Ra- or regarding Glasgow, you know, now getting moved to right guard, and so now the line's hole is on left guard, I it, it it's interesting, and you have to also wonder how this is going to affect his contract talks because this is his last year on his deal, and now that he's bounced around all these positions, uh, you have to wonder, does that mean he's more valuable? Does that mean he's less valuable? The fact that they haven't found a position for him to stick to, is that a sign that they don't like what he's doing, or is that a sign that, they like his versatility, and, you know, Coach Patricia said specifically he, he does like his versatility, and, and that's great. Of course he's going to say that. He's not going to say, you know, we, we can't find a position for him. He he, You know, he isn't meeting our expectations anywhere. I don't know if that's the case or not. The guy hasn't been great anywhere. He hasn't really been bad anywhere. The one thing we can say is he's been reliable. He's only missed one snap in the past two years, but um, it it is kind of interesting to think about this from Graham's point of view um and and i don't know the the one thing i will say about the movement for rag now is that it does seem to make sense in the long run i feel like this is something that i should have seen coming because of all those things you just mentioned because it's so hard to jump into the league and become the offensive line play caller immediately when you're still in over your head with everything else that the nfl has to offer and and then you, you look at the the things that his offensive line coach in college was saying I'm taking this from Chris Perfett, who talks to him. He says, quote, he is about as natural a center as you're going to find. He sees the big picture. He sees the rotation of the secondary. How that adjusts to the things up front gets you the right call. Kind of sounds like maybe he could have been ready in his rookie year, but there was no reason to rush him in when you had a guy like Glasgow there. So I think maybe you're right when you're saying maybe this was the plan all along. And I'm excited about Ragnar at center because he was just kind of wishy-washy at guard last year. It was a new position for him. Um, this isn't a new position for him now and and, and it won't be a new position for Glasgow either. So I think it's an improvement of the overall offensive line. There's still that big question mark now on the left side, but, uh, but I I'm in favor of the move and I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out.
4: There are some real dudes too, though, in the NFC North that play along the interior. Yep. Yes, you there. know what I mean? So I think, maybe you didn't want to set grant you, you didn't want to set now up for failure as much when it came to certain situations like him having to play center him having to be the person who processes all the information at the line makes those calls but then he's got to block akeem akeem hicks or the, like mm-hmm. then he has to block kenny clark i mean that's that's a really tough thing for for a yeah he's to probably going to get eat up <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, I'm. All this stuff has suddenly started to make me doubtful about the move. But the, the eternal question is: Would I rather have Graham Glasgow there instead? And the answer is no. Well,
2: then it's a good move. Agreed. Cool. You can uh, move on. A good, but
1: we will see. Move. All right. Next question. Uh, do you guys want to ask each other some questions here before we get into? Well, I'll take one from the crowd, and then we'll get back to one of our own questions. I like this question here from Brzezinski. Brzezinski. Zero 1 Stafford is this season, the beginning of do or die time for Matthew Stafford. I, you know what? I feel like it, that clock's already started. I think that clock already started last year about do or die time, because I, I feel like the reason a lot of fans are bringing up because Matt Stafford had a, Oh, Hey doggy, uh, Matt Stafford had a, had a bad year last year. And that's usually when fans like to start these do or die clocks. But I mean, we're, we've already been now, I think this is year two or three of what we consider Stafford's prime. And I mean, do or die time. How many, how many seasons you want to measure it right now? I think, I think he's already walking that tightrope. I'm not going to be one of these people who are saying the lions are going to move on from Stafford anytime soon, just because that's the way the league works but i think the reality of what stafford's full picture is as to who he is as a quarterback his ceiling and his floor are starting to get set right now like we're we're going to we're we're painting i think the final picture of who stafford is right now between last season and this season
2: i mean i'll i'll agree with you on that last point i think we already know who stafford is we know what his ceiling is we know what his floor is the question is, can the Lions win with him? And I think the answer is yes, but he does have to perform at an above average level.
1: And he needs, by, and by he needs good
2: talent around
1: him. They need, yeah. like, they need a lot. They need superior talent around him to make him work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He They, they need a good team. He's not the kind of person that, I mean, Lions fans are going to hate me saying it. He's not an Aaron Rodgers type that can take an average team and bring him to the playoffs. He's potentially a a, a guy who could bring a good team and, Bring him deep into the playoffs, but he really hasn't had a good team around him ever. Maybe in in twenty fourteen when the Lions should have won in Dallas. But uh, to answer the original question, yeah, I would say that the clock is ticking now. Um, in terms of this this set, uh this era's commitment to him. Um, right now they are one hundred percent in his corner. I don't care what you know radio stations are saying. I don't care what fans are say, are saying. Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia are 100% behind Matthew Stafford right now. And so right the, well I think I think the
1: question isn't that if they're behind him I think it's I think it's moved on to now is it the right move to be behind him or not.
2: Right and I well yeah. I think I think the coaching staff is still in that evaluation period of of that and and so a bad year this year I don't think the Lions will necessarily move on next year but I think they'll start talking about it. I think they're going to start being like okay well we we'll probably won't draft a quarterback in 2020 but let's start looking at 2021 quarterbacks. If if he has a bad year, yeah, absolutely. They start doing that. They start looking at it. They start considering it, not saying they're going to make the change, but a a good general manager would definitely start at least looking into that possibility because by the time 2021 rolls around, then we can actually talk about getting out of that contract. And then we can start talking about his replacement. Um, But yeah, the the clock, the clock starts now, I think for that evaluation of, of Matthew Stafford, because New offense. Um, I, I feel like this is this feels like the first full year of Matt Patricia and his vision of what he wants the team to be because now he has his coaching staff in place, now he has a fair amount of his players in place. Um so so Stafford needs to kind of I don't know, toe the line and, and, and get some production out of out of his above average skills. Any thoughts on this question, Ron?
4: I have a really interesting thought about Mm -hmm. stafford and i think while we have determined what his ceiling is we've seen him at his lowest i think we've seen maybe 2016 stafford was peak stafford just because i think that that team was a below average team that ended up somehow making the playoffs and i think a lot of it had to do because he was able to bring you know the offense back late in games he had how many fourth quarter comebacks was it eight because they had nine wins yeah i think it was eight. right yeah. So we've seen peak Stafford. We've seen, we've identified what his floor is, but he's never ever going to live up to being the number one pick in the draft. Because I no, think, I think, being, right. I think being the number one pick in the draft, you'd assume that that quarterback is going to be a quarterback that can take, as Jeremy mentioned, he's not Aaron Rodgers, He's not, <laughs> I don't want, I, I almost said he's not Andrew Luck, but um, I think that you you peg the guy who's picked number one overall and supposed to be the guy who turns around the franchise to be the guy who can take a team that probably should go six and ten and have them go nine and seven or ten and six, and Stafford's just not that guy, and that's fine. Hopefully they do. You think we're going ha- uh,
1: to keep looking at twenty sixteen and trying to parse it to figure out what made him
2: work so well there? I, I mean, I guess it depends if, if that. Stafford ever comes back? I mean, yeah. and and it, it probably won't because I don't think that's the way that, that Matt Patricia wants to run the team. I think he doesn't want them to live on the edge like that of every single game. Um, he'd like to have a little bit more control over over things. But
4: um, well, has the, it that the, been that's been the narrative that surrounded Stafford's entire career though? Right, like having yeah. more control over him. It's he has such a strong arm. I mean, maybe not as strong as Tom Savage's arm, but he has yeah. such a. <laughs> He has such a strong arm, but he was just prone to making mistakes, right? And we saw that early on in his career with the turnovers and and things like that. That's clearly not what Matt Patricia is going to try to accomplish here in Detroit. The reason why you run the football so much, the reason you try to control the clock is because turnovers, hopefully if your team ends up in the positive, you're going to win a lot more football games than you lose. And I think that that has kind of been the narrative that's followed Stafford's career, whether it's... And finally, getting a quarterback coach when when Caldwell came to town, or uh, you know, even last season, where there were games like the Miami game, there were games like New England, where Stafford wasn't throwing the ball forty plus times, which a lot of people think is the recipe for success in the NFL these days, is to throw the ball more often than not. And the Lions are going against that, con, you know, that conventional thinking. But at the same time, they have this guy who is their number one pick, and I think that this year is kind of the year. Where where the team decides whether or not Stafford is their quarterback moving forward,
2: hmm. I think it's a little strong to say, but not not completely wrong necessarily. I think he's got a two year window
1: where he has to prove himself. I think it's going to move faster than that, but I mean,
4: if, if the Lions don't make the playoffs this year, I could see the Lions drafting a quarterback as early as round two.
1: Hmm. Hmm. I'd, I'd like to clip that and, and play it in a year. Okay. We're not microwaving takes. All right. Uh, I've got another question for you guys then, since we're sitting here with a light mailbag. Um, partially our fault. We got the calls out a little late, but you know, it just might be a slow week too. People are off having fun. Uh, my question to you is, and I guess this is from Alex Reno's open thread today too, is about hard docs. Um, it, it's going to be the Raiders, right?
2: It like, if, if be. it wasn't,
1: if it wasn't going to be the Raiders, now that they have Richie Incognito, it's going to be the Raiders.
2: It's a it's a perfect storm over there. I don't know why they've waited so long. Maybe the Raiders are fighting it tooth and nail, and they've never really had to deal with the team that was like so staunchly against it. Maybe that's what's happening. I don't know, but the Raiders have go everything what- you want.
1: That seems to go against what John Gruden seems to be doing, which is just I want eyeballs to this team, even right. if it's going to be a
2: mess. Let's get eyeballs. I don't I don't know why he's so staunchly against it, but you have John Gruden, you have Antonio Brown, you have Richie Incognito, you have Mike Mayock as your GM. Like, I I would love to just be sitting in that, in where I don't know what their Allen Park equivalent is, but I just want to be sitting in their practice facility, just like. Hands on my on my chin, both my hands, just listening to everything that's going on because it can't it can't make any sense. Like, it has well, I to I mean, be a disaster waiting to happen.
1: As much as it baffles you that they would turn it away, I, I imagine every team, for one godforsaken reason or another, like tries to turn away hard knocks, and no one seems to like because that the, the whole point of the show is itself, like feels like it was designed almost as punishment. As, hey, we are going to go into the locker room locker room of a suffering, ailing team that sucks and will continue to suck and probably will just keep sucking for the near at least the near future and probably even longer. And because this league likes to think of itself as parody, but but more often than not, you're not going from one of the worst to uh playoff bound with just a quick you know with without some major overhauls to your organization so i i'm sure that feels like an annoyance already and i I feel like you guys are also half saying it because you just don't want to be the lions
2: i want it to be the lions oh you do yeah yeah of course i do it's all I love hard knocks. Why wouldn't I want why, to see why? more of the get behind? Out the the history, stuff.
1: Get out the secrets of the lions. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah,
2: see, I, I don't care about that stuff. That's not my responsibility. Maybe it makes Matt Patricia's job a little bit harder, but
1: Good. I, I Make care. his job
2: harder. If he's <laughs> if this guy is thrown
1: off by a television show, that's there's no hope for the Lions, if that's <laughs> the
2: case. I what one question that might be interesting to ask is who benefits from hard knocks? within an organization that's featured because I, I feel like part of it is maybe some UDFAs who they try to make a nice storyline around. What does anyone else really benefit from hard knocks? Well, does anyone benefit from playing a football game? No,
1: but we still play a lot of them. I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> nobody, pl- nobody on that field benefits from playing a football game in that moment. It is pain, anxiety, pressure, and stress. And it's so it also hard what
2: these guys love to do since they were five
1: hey but yeah hey man you're getting checks to like you know show where you work out and you know i don't know <laughs> the the aversion of hard knocks is just such a weird beast like, well and meanwhile fun. over here over here is the nba which seems to just love rolling in the drama every night letting letting its players go out there and make fools themselves on social media just because it has created so much buzz and meanwhile over here here's the nfl who's like oh god no oh hbo one of the most respected media companies in america right now oh god oh gosh we can't have Cameras, oh
2: gosh, oh no. no, no, no. Well, here's the thing. Coaches may say it's a secrecy thing and they don't want their strategies revealed. I think it's they don't want to get embarrassed on TV. I think yeah, that's how dare, how
1: dare they show that their man that their masculinity is not
2: perfect. Well, it's, like it's every not, other man. No, it, it's not even like a masculinity thing. I mean, look it is. at the people look at the people making fun of Hugh Jackson right now for all the things that happened in hard knocks last. Like the that weird power struggle that they had in a meeting. That's the thing that they don't want to see. Okay, whatever.
1: If you (laughs) you want to hammer on that point? (laughs) I do want to hammer on it. Ryan, you've been quiet on Hard Knocks. Do you enjoy Hard Knocks even? Because actually, Uh, I've never had HBO, so all of this is moot to me because I don't get to see too much of it.
4: Yeah, the last Hard Knocks I watched was the Ram season with Jeff Fisher, which was highly entertaining. Um, God, man. Yeah, it was just because I had an HBO subscription handy, which I... Yeah, I have HBO Go now, so I guess I could always watch the the reruns uh, <laughs> after they air. But
1: watching reruns of Hard Knocks,
4: I, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. Why would I do that, right? I, I, I guess I'm just a bigger fan of Amazon's approach, the all or nothing, where it's mm-hmm. after In the season. The season. Yeah. yeah, um, I think I think I appreciate that as kind of a season rewind rather than watching Hard Knocks as a season preview. Sure.
2: Um.
4: But, yeah, I mean, I'm with Jeremy. I, I, would, I would rather prefer the Lions to be on hard knocks because it gives, us, it gives us more.
1: Yep. More. Consume. Consume.
4: That's it, baby.
1: That's what we need to be doing. All right. Uh, let's see here. We've got a question from Mike Addy. You get three years a as a Lions general manager to win a playoff game or else three years in prison. Do you take the job? No, no! Are you kidding me?
4: No way! The NFL, the NFL is far too finic- like far too finicky for for me to take a, a bet like that. And,
1: yeah. I, if we're taking the Lions right now, no, I'm not taking that
4: job. I don't care if you put Tom Brady on the Lions. I'm still not taking that bet.
2: I'm not either. Like, you think Look draft season? People- you think draft season is annoying as just a n- normal consumer? You know. Do you, you know to, what? You have to do all that shit year round when you're a general manager.
4: I, well, yeah, unless you're more, more than not.
1: Look at all you guys basically saying that the Lions are not going to be going to the playoffs anytime no, soon in the next that is four years. Not what I'm saying.
4: <laughs> I I think that this question is kind of. I think this question is illustrative of how, of how people don't understand how little general managers have to do with, the outcome of football games
1: we we have kind of we have kind of idolized no i'm with Ryan we have become a league of fans who worship the general manager so much more like the 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 fantasy used to be hey i'm going to go out there and throw the football around and maybe i'll be you know Barry Sanders one day now now the fantasy isn't is, throw the ball he could have if he wanted to <laughs> someone throws the ball to them and he catches it Assume he's running out of the backfield as a receiving option here. You know what saying. Shut, Shut the hell up! But we have replaced that fantasy now, and this is not meant to be the nerds thing that it is. But it kind of is the nerds thing that I that I that it is because I mean we're having this in the NBA right now. It's like, do you want to watch the football game? Do you want to watch the basketball games, or would you rather talk about an upcoming free agency class? And it's been that way in football for a while now where people have just gone into the fran- you know fantasy franchise mode in Madden and have now and you know have their own fantasy drafts and now proclaim themselves to be oh yeah no general manager job that's that's something i want to do that's power because i i don't see these people as players to which i have a personal connection with anymore for one reason or another but as pieces i can move around on a chessboard or a collectible card game to assemble the perfect the perfect game strategy here.
4: Yeah, I, and I think what I hear you saying, Chris, is that fans have really warped watching sports into active entertainment versus passive entertainment, right? And it,
1: well, yeah, and, and wish fulfillment here, too, in that I think every fan, be it that or how organizations have sold to fans, is that they believe that they have a say in what that final outcome could could be. Like mm-hmm. they they want to have that agency of control
2: now. Yeah. Okay, I I'm with you in the second point that you're making, but I don't think it takes away from the fact that GM is drastically important for a team in the NFL. Like oh. I get that there's this weird obsession now with with roster building instead of the actual game of football, which is not what I'm about. I love watching football, not watching you know scouting reports that's not interesting to me um but we were just talking about how matthew Stafford needs a good team around him and he hasn't had one that's not because of bad coaching that's not because of bad strategy it's because of bad general managing
4: well i i don't know i i don't know like i guess i guess my point that i'm trying to make is that on the outcome of a football game the general manager can only do so much. So that's why I would not take this bet, right? I mean, you're Bob Quinn. You, uh, you know, even before Bob Quinn got there, but like, you had did, Golden yeah. Tate, you had Marvin Jones, you had Eric Ebron, you had all, of, you had all this talent around Matthew Stafford. You, but nowhere else. I, well, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I mean, a, a general manager can only do so much.
1: Yeah, Martin Mayhew puts together a 2014 team and it really didn't help him out in the long run.
4: And you know what? This this is a really interesting thing that the 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 football coach who used to coach at the high school that I went to, he was talking to me about how coaches cost teams more games than they win them, and he truly believes in that philosophy. And I almost I almost kind of prescribe to it too as well when it comes to when it comes to to NFL too.
2: Well, yeah, and and I guess. Going back to the original question, the, the line between a win and a loss in the NFL is so small, and each season is such a small sample size, 16 games, single elimination playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's on, ultimately the reason I, I would not take this deal is because it, it's so rare to have a dynasty in the NFL, and I know it seems like that's not true. Because we're not even talking about like a dynasty. The, Mike's, Mike's question is about just winning a <laughs> playoff. <laughs> right. No, yeah, I understand that, but that's, you're only getting a three-year three window. That's not a lot of time.
1: Well, three-year window, basically, like... So, like, you first have to flip the coin, the, the bizarre coin of actually getting there, and then it's basically a coin flip in that playoff game.
2: Right, exactly. So you're <laughs> getting two two coin flips per year that both have to land heads, and you only get that for three years?
4: Also... I'm not doing that. Also, it's the Lions, and I, we literally just had a discussion about how this team is in flux when it comes to their franchise quarterback. <laughs> so, I mean you, you would, would you want to take this bet knowing that the the window for Stafford is one maybe two years and you're going to go into the third year with a new quarterback
1: with this snake bitten team with this historically <laughs> snake bitten team too
4: like, absolutely, I mean, just, not. absolutely not everything is
1: saying like look you can you can say i'm a bad fan if you want no no i'm not taking this this is too much pressure
4: you know what you could do like if you if you were forced to make this bet like say say you got better odds uh in in terms of what,
1: what you are you plea get. bargaining down to like six months
4: <laughs> I don't want any plea bargains but I'm saying that if I if I were forced to make this bet and Stafford wasn't working out in two years I would like the third year I would just do wild and crazy things to my team <laughs> Carry so on you would, you're the new quarterback so
1: basically you're saying the Barry Sanders route <laughs> you are Stan Van Gundy then in the oh. final year at the Pistons you're doing you're that
4: form a freaking wall
1: Warm a freaking wall and trade everything for Blake Griffin.
4: Snacks is playing two ways. He's gonna play. He's gonna play guard. We're not gonna, we're not gonna. work. No, we're not gonna worry about. We're not gonna worry about the uh, the problem at at guard. Snacks will play that.
2: Well, uh, you could also backload all your contracts in your third year. <laughs> Just sign everyone to huge <laughs> extensions, tiny, tiny cap hits in the year that you're there.
4: Disaster <laughs> contracts three years down the line. Trade trade all of your future draft picks after that third year.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm starting to get on board with this, actually.
4: Oh, oh. my God.
1: Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit PODcast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at... I am Brian Shepard. I-A-M-B-R-I-A-N-S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.